You know, I would venture to say that over the last year or so, the the average person has heard more about semiconductor chips than they ever have before in their entire life. And most of it is because you there are things you can't buy. Automobiles are partially finished because they can't get enough semiconductor chips. But now there's a new problem. Semiconductor chips are building up an inventory because the Chinese can't accept delivery. Right in the middle of a lot of this is Texas Estimates, which just reported Really good earnings, but the question is, what's going to happen in the future? Rafael Lazardi is the chief financial officer for Texas Instruments and joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. Good to be here, David. Thank you. Sir, so is this a sort of a definition of feast or famine in your industry right now? Well, it uh, seems uh, what's going on is um, uh, the demand uh, appears to still be there. Uh, customers uh, continue to uh, expedite, albeit focusing on what we call a match set, which is you know the parts that they really, really want. But but they're continuing to expedite, even in China. But with the, uh, the lockdowns that uh, we've all been reading about in the newspapers, uh, that has put a, a delay on things and a uh, and an obstacle where some factories are just not open, so not not taking delivery. So that's that's what we're seeing right now. So we've we've talked about this before, but but the bulk of your sales go out of the country, but then those semiconductor chips are assembled into things and then find their way back here. So the Chinese can't use them right now because the manufacturing is closed, capacity is closed because of shutdown because of COVID. Can these chips not be repurposed? repurposed i mean there's still so much demand for semiconductor chips for automobiles and other things yeah they they can be but it's a lot harder than than it sounds uh, you know supply chains are are not uh, entirely flexible uh you know china has today a huge manufacturing footprint for the entire world so when we say you know our customers in china are having these restrictions on their operations those are customers that then assemble there, just as you said, and then ship elsewhere, right? Uh, some some shipments happen in China, but many, in fact, most of it goes outside of China. So, and and to change that uh, overnight is is very difficult uh, for customers. Well, I mean, the optimistic side is that this is going to pass. That they're taking defensive measures so that they don't have any more widespread outbreaks. And, and I, there's some suggestions that Shanghai is beginning to open back up. So is this just sort of postponing the purchase of your chips or are these sales that are lost? You know, we, we stay away from, from predictive beyond one quarter at a, at a time. So we've, uh, we put out our, our, our range for, Second quarter that includes uh, this complication that we just talked about, and and stay away uh, from from predicting beyond that. But as you pointed out, you know there there are various uh, ways it could go. Uh, you know, one it could be it could be a postponement, but you know it could also damage uh, the way the the dynamics work in an economy. It could damage uh, demand beyond uh, the the short term future, right? So then it could affect. Um, the second half of the year, even beyond. So we'll, you know, time will tell, and we'll see how things play out. We'll just continue focusing on on uh, on the things we can do here to make the company stronger uh, over the long term. Well, I mean, and and of course, one of the and we've talked about the, the the double ordering before, but this has been one of the things that Wall Street seems to be, you know, concerned about for your industry is that there is so much demand in areas where they can accept it that they're double ordering or triple ordering. And then when they finally get fulfilled, they'll can't turn around and cancel the others. Is that the way the contracts work? I mean, isn't a contract a contract? If you say you're going to buy something, don't you have to buy it? 
Well, in our case, because uh, as you know, we've shifted our strategy over the last 10 years or so to be a more catalog supplier. So it's kind of think of off the shelf uh, parts that can go to many, many customers and in, in many end markets, which is a huge advantage uh, for R&D, for capital investments and, and inventory obsolescence and things like that. We really don't have, uh, don't enforce um, a contract per se, as you would think about it. Think of Think of more off the shelf, right? When you go to to buy something at Walmart or at Home Depot, you don't you don't place an order ten weeks out, right? So you just show up and buy it. So we're morphing to be more like that. Um, and then the downside is you do have potentially more uh, a fluctuation in your in your backlog. But there are huge upsides in uh, being able to have that inventory for a long time, service uh, a diverse set of customers and end markets over the over the long term. Uh, it works out uh, much better than having a, a more customized uh, type of product. Well, and the demand's out there, and it's going to be there for a long time. And to that end, you all have announced, you know, a lot of construction. I mean, Sherman is just this massive amount of construction. You're building out in Richardson. I know that's pretty far along. New acquisition in Utah. Where are you right now on the on the, on the plants? Yeah, so that that is the the most uh, the thing that I'm most excited about the uh, expansion that we're doing in our manufacturing footprint. How how much stronger we're getting on that. So as you alluded to, RFAP two. So the second factory in Richardson, which uh, you know the first factory was the largest 300 millimeter analog factory in the world. So RFAP two is going to be 30 percent bigger than RFAP one. That one will start production um, in the second half of this year. Then the factory in Utah, in Lehigh, that we bought uh, late last year, uh, we're qualifying the factory now, and that will start production in the first quarter of 2023. And then later this year, in fact, within a month or two, we're breaking ground in Sherman for two of what's going to be a four-factory complex there. And we're very excited about that and, and what that uh, what that's going to do for us and for the community as well, frankly, but what's going to do for for the company, how that's going to position us for the next 10 or 15 years. So how do you find people for these, especially for for Utah and for Fab 2 here in Richardson? That's the other thing we've heard about is there's such a labor shortage. And this is not something where you can just sort of pull somebody off the sideline and say, <clears throat> here, you know, go make, go make exotic silicon, you know, chips. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's, a, it's a great point. But, uh, you know, we are, we're actually handling that very well. I feel really good about it. In Utah, that was a working factory, so we bought it with with all their employees. It, it came from Micron, and uh, and for the most part, we have kept all those employees, even though right now it's really not producing anything. It's just qualifying. So that was a, a conscious decision we made uh, for obvious reasons, right? So uh, so that's uh, that's going to work out really well. And some of those employees are actually moving to to Texas uh, as we need more of them here uh, uh, for the time being. Um, but then R52, that has been, you know, we've been working R52 since 2018, so uh, we've had quite a bit of uh, lead time to uh, to get uh, staffing plans in place. And Sherman, you know, Sherman is not going to actually start production until the earliest 2025. Right. So we also have time. Now, having said that, it's still challenging, uh, right? But uh, but uh, we we're working with stakeholders in the community and and uh, our HR teams. Uh, to have appropriate staffing for all those uh, for all those factories, and as you know, of course, Dallas and the whole Dallas-Fort Worth area, North Texas is uh, is is growing tremendously. More people are moving here, uh, so uh, so the skilled labor you know tends to tends to match uh, 
the supply and demand tends to manage over time. Well, you all also had historically sort of grown your own. You were having associations with colleges and universities that were that were feeding you employees. Correct, correct. Yeah, no, we um, we have a great uh, new college uh, hire program. Uh, in fact, that is the the primary by far way that we uh, that we recruit people into the company. Um, and we do that for engineers. Uh, we do that for finance people, for uh, human resources, for anything. Uh, that's how we focus uh, our hires, and it works really well. People tend to stay longer at the company. Uh, they tend to do to do uh, better that way when they they kind of grow from within. And and you see our promotions too. You see the people who end up in in the different roles of the company, and most right. of them have been have been in the company for a long time. Let me let me ask you one last thing because I I would guess that you keep up with this on a daily basis. What we're hearing out of China, out of Shanghai right now, is that there may be an improvement and they may be releasing some of the lockdowns pretty soon. Beijing seems to be taking a lot of preemptive action that that hopefully will be effective. Do you have any sense of of how much longer this plays out and and when you can start, when they'll start opening opening back up and using your chips? You know, I... um... I don't have a sense specific on that, but let me clarify something is, is uh, um, not all the factories are shut down, right? Some factories are shut down. Some are open, some are open, but only at 20% of, of capacity. Some are 50%. I mean, we, we ship to hundreds of factories in China, even within Shanghai. So, so there's quite a bit of degrees of, of what's going on here uh, by region, by, by section, even by section of the city. Um, but uh, but the assessment that we took was was very tops down. We, you know, we we were planning to go with a five billion dollar midpoint. We ended up with a four point five billion. So that was a ten percent cut, and that was not meant to be precise. That was just a you know, rule of thumb, cut ten percent, and uh, because we know there's an impact, and then we widen our range, uh, plus or minus seven percent. Usually, usually plus or minus four percent. And then we'll see what happens. Right? Time will tell over over the course of the quarter and over the course of the of the rest of the year. This really is a dynamic business. I, I don't think they teach this stuff in business school. <laughs> Rafael Lazardi is chief financial officer for Texas Estimates. We always appreciate the time. Thank you, sir. Thank you, David. Thanks for more of our conversation. Go to krld.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.